Today's guest is Dr. Bill Means, and he desired to know more about the kingdom of God, and he inquired of the Lord about it, and the Lord gave him seven principles that govern God's kingdom. We'll talk about his book today, Realms Beyond the Gates, with Dr. Bill Means. Stay tuned for Babby's House. I'm coming up right now. Babby's House, every day is filled with possibility. At Babby's House, Babby's House, everybody is family. Welcome to Babby's House. Hello and welcome to Babby's House where everybody is a member of the family. Thank you so very much for joining me today. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, I call it God's phone number. He says, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And that was the prayer of today's guest, Dr. Bill Means. He, he desired to know more about the kingdom of God. And God gave him great revelation on the subject of God's kingdom. He's written a book called The Realms Beyond the Gates. And it, it uh, involves seven principles of God's kingdom. And we'll talk more with Dr. Bill Means today here on Babby's House. So stay tuned for that wonderful conversation coming up in just a little bit. But I want to kick today's show off with praise that renders glory and honor to the name of Jesus. It's called Every Praise. You worship God with me, all right?
Well, welcome back to Babby's house. Have you ever asked questions like, what is the kingdom of God and what is the purpose of the kingdom of God? We use that term, but do we really know what we're talking about or what we mean and what it means to talk about the kingdom of God? Well, Dr. Bill Means has written a book called Realms Beyond the Gate, Seven Principles That Govern God's Kingdom. He is a teacher of the word and his wife is a preacher and together they minister together. So we're, I'm grateful to have him on the show today and maybe one day we'll have his wife on the show. Who knows? We'll look forward to that. But help me to welcome to Babby's house, Dr. Bill Means. Happy to have you on the show, my friend. Thank Thanks you, for being sir. with me. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you for writing this book because the, the term, the kingdom of God, is a, it's a big term, but that incorporates a lot of things. So you, de you desire to know more about the kingdom of God, and God basically gave you a, a, a revelatory um, revealing of what the kingdom of God is all about. Yes. So talk to me about that. Well, 30 some odd years ago, I, I, I was, hadn't been in the ministry long, but I wanted to know about the kingdom of God. And I, I, I was talking to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I want you to show me what is this kingdom about? And, and what makes this work? Actually, the way I put it to him was uh, this experiment in humanity you got going on here. What is this all about? And he began to teach me the kingdom of God. But he started me in the covenant. And I spent several years in the covenant just studying the blood covenant and the covenants that we have all over the world. And covenants cover every continent in the world. People had, of all times and ages had covenants, had blood covenants. And so I began to study that and I learned about covenant and it, then he took me into uh, the kingdom because everything in the kingdom comes out of the covenant. If you don't understand the covenant, you're not going to understand the power and authority that's in the kingdom because that's where it gets it. You see, when the Lord established the earth. He built the earth and he put man on the earth. He set up his government, mm -hmm. his constitution, if you will, mm -hmm. through a covenant. And he made a covenant with Adam. And that was the initial government that we had. And so everything has come out of that covenant, all the rights, privileges, benefits that we have, all the authority that we have comes out of that blood covenant. So if we want to know more about the kingdom of God, we need to know about the covenant. You certainly do, yeah, you, because you don't understand the power that you're walking around in. So now there are seven principles that you talk about in the book. Now we're not going to, we don't have time to cover all, you know, the, the details mm -hmm. of all seven of these principles, but can you name, just give us the, the, the principles, the seven principles, what are they? Well, the first principle is the covenant. The second principle is a, is a word that most people have never heard. It's a Hebrew word, hasid. And that word, God mentions 245 times in the Bible. When he says something that many times, he thinks, I think he wants you to know something about it. I think so. It's, it's his covenant love. Mm. And uh, some people want to associate the Greek word agape with it. Most people are familiar with that one in the Greek. But it's, it's stronger, I think, because it's always tied to covenant. And you can't have a covenant with somebody you, you don't have hasid for, that extra high level of love. Uh, so truth, hasid, and covenant go together. You can't have a covenant with somebody that's not truthful. 
Okay, is that number three or four? That's number two. Okay, number two. <laughs> number three is salvation. Salvation comes out of the covenant. You and I grew up thinking, well, if I've been saved, that means I'm going to heaven. And we use that term saved and salvation interchangeably. But really, and hold on to your seatbelt there, salvation has nothing to do with going to heaven. That ticket to ride the glory train to heaven was punched the day you were born again. That's the key. Salvation, however, came out of that born again experience out of covenant and salvation according to the Holy Spirit the way he gave it to me salvation manifested in, in its highest form is abundant provision divine health and the Zoe life of God Almighty manifested in you in his full and complete power and glory salvation has to do with saving you from something or out of something there's nothing in heaven you need to be saved from it's right here you see now we can still say we've been saved. Okay, I, I, just, I want us to cover the, all seven of them before we jump in to the details. So that was three? That was three. All right, what's number four? Uh, number four, uh, uh, imputed righteousness. Now I'm not gonna try to go very much because that gets too deep re real quick. But it's, it's the righteousness that's been imputed to you by the sacrifices that Jesus made. But I go into a lot of detail and when you read it in this book and you begin to study it and pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, you'll find out just what makes you righteous. It's not just because the book says you're righteous. Okay? And there's, see, there's power in all of this. Mm -hmm. This is good stuff. Well, let, me, let me just interject to that. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Bill Means is a teacher. Yeah. Can you tell? <laughs> he is a teacher. So he gets down to all the wonderful details in this book. Yes. And that's really good stuff. Okay, so move on to the next okay. one. Okay. The next one is baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's a powerful tool that, he, that Jesus gave the New Testament church. And so I go into a lot of detail on that. You want to learn that. And then uh, the sowing and reaping. But that's, I'm teaching it from Jesus' perspective on sowing the word. And so there's a lot to learn from that. I'm keeping this short because there's a lot to it. I want to get to the last one today. <laughs> uh, then there's uh, sowing and reaping. And then the last one, number seven, is called the patience of Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, I had never heard that before. And the Lord took me to that. He said, go to Revelations 1, 9. It's just out of the blue one day when I'm studying. And so I went over there and they said, now read that. And I said, okay, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the, the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. And he said, now stop. He said, what does that mean? I said, well, Lord, I know something about the kingdom, but I've never heard of the patience of Jesus Christ. And so I had to begin to meditate and study it, you know, and you have too, I bet. We've read that scripture a hundred times, but never stopped on it. What is the patience of Jesus Christ? Well, the King James is a poor translator here. The word patience here implies that uh, to, to put up with something, you know, to be patient. But that's not what it means at all. You look at James, he says, let patience have her perfect work. And I'm thinking... Brother James, when we get to heaven, you and I are going to talk. <laughs> but everything in the world has been thrown at me, including the kitchen sink, and you want me to be patient? Now, how's that going to have its perfect work? Right. And in Hebrews, it says, you know, run your race with patience. But you don't run your race with patience. You run your race with passion. Now, let me translate. The Holy Spirit finally gave it to me one day. 
and this is what he said. It, the word is in the Greek is hupomene, means to stand under, like under pressure. He said, it's having the audacity to take God at his word and the tenacity to stand in it until it manifests. Mm -hmm. So now when you mm -hmm. take that definition and you put it with what James is saying and what Hebrews is saying, and then you go over to where Jesus said, through your patience you retain your salvation, that makes sense now. The lights start to come on then. Yeah, see? And then uh, it's through patience that when you sowed on good ground that you get the harvest, Jesus said. So you see? That's so what I want to I want to talk about some of the things that you, that you already have kind of uh, told me to kind of guide to guide to kind of guide our conversation here, because the kingdom of God is, as you've mentioned, it's a whole realm uh, of in-depth study from the Word of God. So let's let's start with this question. You write that many of us fill our souls with things of this world that have no value in the kingdom of God. Is distraction a form of modern-day idolatry? I suppose it could be called uh, idolatry. Uh, anything that you put all your attention to. Because I'm thinking of something right now that is a, a, a real big distraction, and that is, a, that is our cell phone. Now, cell phone is a, you know, it's a, it can be a form of communication. It can be a way of you staying in touch with your family. But, you know, I, I sit and I observe people, and sometimes I just look at families who are sitting at the dinner table, and nobody All is converse, conversing because everybody, including the two-year-old who's yeah. playing a game on the phone, has their faces buried in their phone. Yes. And we don't communicate. We don't converse eyeball to eyeball. Mm -hmm. We sit in the car on a long trip and nobody, you know, plays games and counts how many cows there are on the side of the road because yeah. we all have our faces in our phone. Yeah. So it's distraction. I'll just restate my question sure. about distraction. Is that a form of, of idolatry? It can be if it's taking you away from Jesus. See, the, the key to everything is relationship with Jesus, relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're putting all your attention on them, if you're putting your priorities on them, then that cell phone is not going to be your priority. You're going to use it as the tool that it is. Uh, that, that hobby is not going to be the distraction that takes you away from Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Are those other things that are distractions that can take you from Him. You've got to make sure through your relationship that He is your priority. And I, I think if He retains that position, you're okay with these other things. So let's talk about the state of the church right now. In your estimation, um, and you're traveling, and you're, and you're speaking, and, and preaching, and teaching, um, is the church getting stronger, or do you think that the believers in the church are getting weaker? I believe they're getting weaker. Uh, I'm, I'm very concerned about the church. I think the biggest revival that we've got available to us today is inside the four walls. And the Lord spoke to me and he said that we need a revival in the church and we need a great awakening in the community. But it's, it appears to me, and I can't speak for all churches, you know, I don't go to all churches. I'm not in everybody's congregation. But it just seems to me like the, the teaching that we get is, is a lot softer. Now, I'm, now, you know, I grew up with a Baptist father that preached, and he preached hellfire and damnation. You know? yes. And I'm not saying that's what everybody's got to preach, not by any stretch. But we got to tell the whole truth. 
And I don't believe we're telling the whole truth. I think these salvations come much too easy. I, I watch these, these pastors and they give an invitation at the end of their sermon and they don't even offer the altar. They say, you know, right there where you're at, you can get saved. Just pray this prayer after me and the whole church prays it. Paul said that uh, you've you got to confess the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's part of coming down to the altar. That's part of getting on your knees and crying out to the Lord to save you. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And we don't do that anymore. We're not doing it. I remember, and you may remember this too, in these little country churches that I grew up in, when somebody got saved, the senior deacon and one other deacon took, the, they called it the candidate for salvation. Yeah, they did. Took the candidate for salvation to one of the classrooms and interviewed that candidate to see as to whether or not it was a true repentant salvation, born again experience yes. or not. Yes. You see what I'm saying? We had a very similar process in my father's church. Yeah. And we don't do that today. We don't do any of that today. We have to acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and people won't do that. I guarantee you, if you wake up in the great white throne judgment, then you know it's too late. You won't care who hears you. You'll be crying to the top of your lungs, Jesus, the name of Jesus. give me one more chance. Mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. But we won't, we won't ask people to come to the altar. And and I think yeah, we basically hurt. shut our altars down. Yeah, and I think we're hurting the people. I think we're hurting the people because we're, we seem to be more interested in building a big church than we are building a big ministry. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question. Do you think the church is more influencing the culture or is the culture more influential on the church? I think it's turned. Uh, I remember when we were a lot younger, uh, the saying was, as the church goes, so goes the world. But what do you see in the church? All you see in the church, just about, not completely, is the world. You see compromise taking place in the church very strong. And they, they, they allow stuff in the church that they would have never allowed before. And now we love everybody. And we want everybody to come to the church. But we're not going to give uh, leadership positions to people that are not truly born again. Uh, followers of Jesus Christ. But yet, the things that come up in, in the big denomination meetings yes. is just shocking to me. First thing, I was surprised just to hear them bring it up. Why are we even discussing it? You see? Right. Well, I want our viewers to know that I'm talking today with Dr. Bill Means. He is the author of Realms Beyond the Gate, Seven Principles That Govern God's Kingdom. In the book, Dr. Means, you talk a, a lot about honor and integrity. Mm -hmm. And um, we only have a minute left in this segment, so I want us to address this more in depth when we come back from this break, okay? Yes. But in your definition, wh um, what is honor? Honor is, it is akin to integrity. Integrity's it's a little different than honor, but they, they go together. When you have honor, then, then you're not going to lie, you're not going to cheat, you're not going to steal, you're going to consider the other person above yourself. You're going to hold them in esteem. And with integrity, uh, it's the same thing. You're, you'll never, ever. Uh, the Bible says to, uh, uh, I forgot the phrase, 
<laughs> mess that one up. Well, when we come back after this break. I'll we, remember it. That's right. We'll, we'll look It'll it up come we'll back. during this break. Too much pressure. <laughs> but listen, oh, listen, no problem at all. This is a wonderful conversation. Uh, listen, I don't want you to go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break, and after this break, we'll come back with more conversation with Dr. Bill Means. <laughs> don't go anywhere. We'll have more with Babby's house right after this. I hope you are enjoying this discussion as much as I am. You know, Dr. Bill Means is a, a, a wonderful Bible teacher, and he is talking to a really good Bible student. And I don't know if you all know, but I'm in school right now getting my master's degree in, in uh, African-American worship through Trevecca University in Nashville. And so my nose has been in my Bible now, I mean, almost nonstop for the past six months. And it's just a wonderful journey to just dig deep mm -hmm. in the Word of God. So yeah. thank you for being here today. Yeah. And so we were talking about the definition of honor and integrity. And now I want you to tell me, you know, wh what does that, what does it, finish your definition, because I think you were re you're going to reference, uh, make a reference there and then tell me what that has to do with the covenant. Well in Psalms 15 it says that the, the honorable person will swear to his own hurt and so that's what honor is and that's what integrity is. Uh, you, what do you want me to go from there? Well yeah I want you to tell me what, what honor and integrity have to do with the covenant. With the covenant. Mm -hmm. okay, you can't have a covenant if you don't have honor and integrity because in a covenant two people become one. Just like in a marriage, two people become one. You're not going to marry a man that will lie to you. You're not going to marry a man that will cheat you or walk away from you, you see, knowingly. And if, if, and he's not going to marry you if you're going to do that. Uh, covenant is, is, has, has to have honor. It has to have integrity. You see, God, we're in covenant with Almighty God. Yes. Well, unless we have character and, and, co and uh, uh, honor and integrity, we can't maintain that covenant. God's got it. He's not going to break it, but we do. Yes, we do. But you can't, you cannot go into covenant with somebody unless you have honor and integrity, and you would never want to go into covenant with somebody that you knew that didn't have it because they're not going to keep the covenant. You know, Dr. Bill Means, we are, we are out of time. Yeah. And you know what, this is what happens when it just starts to get really, really good, you run out of time. Yeah. But I want people to know how they can get your book. Where can we find it online or in bookstores or at your website? How do we get more information about okay. your book? Okay, you can find it on any of the online bookstores, Amazon, Target, Walmart, all of those. Or you can go to my website, innercircleministries.com or uh, realmsbeyondthegate.com. Realmsbeyondthegate.com. And, and do we have um, a schedule? Are you on the road speaking? Is there a schedule online that we could maybe well, watch for? No, I'm going, uh, I, do, I don't do meetings like that. For instance, when we get through with this tour, uh, we're going to go to Nashville, and there's a, a group of missionaries there uh, that we're going to be teaching. And we do that. We teach there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in Benton, Arkansas, we did the same thing. It's, we, we teach students. Very good. We, we don't, or I don't, go to churches per se like a, a normal evangelist. Here. Sure. Well, listen, thank you for coming our way. Well, thank you. And for thank you for me. writing this great book. 
Well, I hope you enjoy it. I cannot it. wait to get into it. I hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. And thank, thank you, you, my dear friends, for watching Babby's House today. And this is what Babby's House is all about. It's about stirring up God's Word in you and challenging you to dig deep in God's Word so that you can live the rich and satisfying life, according to John 10.10. I want you to do me a favor and reach out to, my, to me at my website at babby.com. I hope to hear from you very soon, all right? Well, until we get together, may the Lord God bless you and yours real good. My prayers and my love go with you. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Bye-bye for now.